He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I've received nothing but goodness. I've tested and tasted your grace. I was so lost till I fell at the cross and got saved. Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? The love of God gave me his pardon. The love of God won't let me stay the same. The love of God pulls me up higher. His will is stronger. That's why I got you like that one we're going to sing that in a couple of nights so y'all hope you were paying attention that one's coming up let's do revive us again boy i'm looking at y'all pretty good and revived right now that's a good thing we're going to do the first and last verse it's where is it you don't need books for that do you it's right up here no it's double off and then we're going to go straight to number two so put your finger over there I don't stop in between. I just keep going. All right? You good with that? All right. Let's stand as we sing Revive Us Again.
Marlene, if you'll come, please. You know, I've sang this song many times, and it's written in the first person, uh, fall on my knees. But I want you to take the words to this and apply it to your life because I know there's all of us have times that when life gets us down and we can remember that we can always fall on our knees. me down This world can be a lonely place to be I wonder oh God why Then I try to analyze all the possibilities There is no reason or rhyme It's out of my hands this time I just fall my knees He strength is nearly gone and I feel so
when my strength is nearly gone and I feel so You'll have to forgive me for not calling numbers because I'm not used to that. So I forget that I have to do it. So, but they're up here on the wall if you if I forget. So uh, this is one that I don't know if you know it or not. If you listen to K Love, you've probably heard it two or three times. And uh, just want you to sing along with it this morning before we get into our time of the word for the Lord this morning. Just want to praise God today. Amen. Stand with me, please. Your love is devoted, if you know it, sing loud, like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old. Your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today. And faithful you have been, and faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me, and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your father, the orphan, your kindness makes us whole. You shoulder our weakness, and your strength becomes our own. Now you're making me like you, clothing me in white, bringing beauty from ashes, for you will have your bride. Free of all her guilt And rid of all her shame And known by her true name And it's why I sing your praise Will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips Your praise will On my lips Ever be on my lips Your praise will Ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. You will be praised, you will be praised. With angels and saints we sing, worthy are you, Lord. You will be praised, you will be praised. With angels and saints we sing, Worthy are you, Lord. 
And it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will. There you go, just like that. Ignore the screen. <clears throat> your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be. Do it again. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Now sing this with me right here. You'll know this. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent grace. There you go. Praise Him, praise Him, ever in joyful song. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for this day, the blessings that You've given to each and every one of us today. We ask a special prayer today for Brother Nathan as he comes and shares Your Holy Word with us today. Father, use him in a mighty and a powerful way. Father, open our hearts so that when we leave this place today, that our lives will be changed. We'll be different from who we were when we came in this place today, Father. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We praise you today, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gospel of John, chapter 4. It is good to be back with you. And awful glad to uh, have... Uh, this time to spend together in the Word of the Lord and these wonderful efforts. I turned it on and then I muted it, brother. Is that better? All right. Make you feel better back there? Amen. Can you hear me now? All right. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. As you make your way there, I've been looking forward to being with you all. I want to say thank you for the cards, for the prayers, for the text messages. And uh, I'll say this. I know the Lord is at work. He's been at work. I have no doubt he's going to continue to work. Last year when I got to come, we had a wonderful revival meeting, and the Lord met with us, and I thank the Lord for what he did. Uh, it's good to see familiar faces, and it's equally good to see new faces as well. And I'll say this, you found a great church home if this is where the Lord wants you, and a good group of people to be a part of. We cannot have what we had last year. That was for last year. What we have is what God has for us today. And no matter where you're at, and no matter what stage of life you are in, whether you're at the very beginning or the very end, or whether you're somewhere in the middle, no matter where you're at in the Lord, I want you to know that God has something very special for you. And so we're going to read two verses. We're going to have a word of prayer. And we're going to ask the Lord to meet with us for just a little while this morning. In John chapter 1, in verse 40... We read there where it says, One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first findeth his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is, being interpreted, the Christ. Let's have our prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Father, we come to you with open hearts, opening up your word, and desiring a blessing from you today. Lord, I pray that as we gather today, Lord, that you might meet with us, 
that your Holy Spirit would stir and move in our hearts and be poured out among us today in this place. Lord, I need your grace. I need your strength. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you use me, Father, as a vessel and as an instrument in your will. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just have your word to go forth, that the lost would be saved, that the saved would be encouraged in their walk with the Lord, and that, Father, at the close of it all, that the name of Jesus would be uplifted in this place. Lord, we've come to give you glory today. We ask it all in his precious name. Amen. I want us to notice this morning, as the title says, Jesus, the Messiah, that the term Messiah is not often used a whole lot today. We talk about Jesus, we generally throw in there Jesus Christ. The idea of Christ means basically Messiah. And the idea behind the Messiah was someone who was anointed by God, specially selected and sent from Him. Now, there were many in the Old Testament that were anointed of God, or anointed by man, if you will. As a matter of fact, we find that Moses anointed his brother by the name of Aaron to be the first high priest for the nation of Israel. This anointing was symbolic of the fact that he was select and chosen to serve a particular purpose in a particular role. And then later on, we find that uh, when Israel got tired of following the Lord, they desired to have their own king so that they could be like other nations. And God said, all right, if we're going to go on that path, we're going to do it my way. And so God said, you take those kings out and you anoint them. And pretty much what they would do is they would pour oil upon their heads in a very special, solemn ceremony. And it would show that these men were to serve as the king of the nation of Israel. And then there were also prophets that were anointed by God and by man, and they were appointed for that particular purpose and that particular reason. Now, we don't have that act of anointing today, but we do have the act of the laying on of the hands. And this is representative of men laying hands on other men and showing that we approve of their ministry and approve them to the service that God has called them in. But I want you to know that no matter what the position may be, whether it be in the Old Testament, whether it be in the New Testament, no matter what the role may be, I want you to know that there is but one person who fulfills the role that is desired by God and required by man, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that there be many priests that were anointed. There were many kings that were anointed. There were many prophets that were anointed. There is but one that can fill all three offices, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share with you this morning, Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah. And when I say that word Messiah, I want you to think, appointed by God, anointed by God, and sent by God. Now the question remains, or we got to begin with this. Why do we need a Messiah? What is the purpose of Him coming? I want you to know that we need to understand in the inner recesses of our hearts how much we need a Messiah. Turn with me, if you will, and if you have your Bibles, to the book of Romans, chapter 3. The book of Romans, chapter 3. Why do we need a Messiah? Why is God interested in sending us a Messiah? Well, I want you to know that we've got a problem here on this earth. Now, I want you to know we've got a problem in the schoolhouses, yes. We've got a problem over there in some of our homes, yes. We got problems uh, in different aspects and areas of our world. We got a lot of problems in Washington D.C. Amen. But I want to tell you something. It is all rooted in the problem of this thing of sin. And I want you to know that sin is the problem of all mankind. God made everything perfect. He made everything right, 
and holy. And I want you to know that man messed it up when he sinned against God. Let us notice the need for a Messiah, first of all. Notice in the book of Romans chapter 3, we begin reading in verse 10. It says, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way, they're all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues, or with their tongues, have they used deceit, and the poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift as yet innocent blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I want you to know that sums up our problem right there. There may be that some of us think, well, you know, there are some times that I try to do all right, but I want you to know something. Even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the eyes of a holy God. And as God looks upon us, He says, listen here, I see nothing more than sin. But I want you to know, as a result of that sin, it leads to an even deeper problem. It separates us from a holy God. And it keeps us and God from coming together. Let me share with you what the Bible says in Isaiah 59. It says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you, that He will not hear. I want you to know that you cannot come unto God on your own. You can't do it. You can't make it to God on your own. I want you to know that God makes it very plain through His Word, and the way that He manifests His wrath on this earth, that you cannot come to God the way that you are. You're full of sin. You're separated from God. I want you to know also that you need a sacrifice. The only payment that God has ever taken for sin is the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm just going to jump ahead to the story. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, it says that almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there's no remission. In the beginning, my friend, we find that when Adam and Eve had sinned, they were separated from God. They were aware of their nakedness. They were full of shame and of misery and of all those things. Now I want you to know something. God took an innocent animal and killed it and took the coats of those skins and clothed them. And He gave them a promise. He said, one day, one day, I'm going to send forth the promised seed. And He's going to come and He's going to be my Son. He's going to take away your sins forever. Friend, I want you to know, we need a Messiah. We need a Messiah. No priest was ever able to take away sin. No king was ever able to legislate it away or demand it to be out. No prophet was able to preach it out of the nation of Israel. But I promise you this, Jesus can take it all away. That's why we need a Messiah. But I want to share with you also, not just the need of a Messiah, but I want to share with you the nature of this Messiah. Oh, I want to tell you, He's somebody special. I want you to know that He's somebody different. I want you to know, my friend, that there's no one else like Him in the whole world. Now let me tell you something, young person. You're sitting there next to that sweet little somebody. And boy, they're fine. They even smell good this morning. Amen. But I want you to know something. There's somebody that's even greater, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me share with you, first of all, that for Jesus to be the Messiah, He must be pure of any sin. He's got to be. In Hebrews chapter 7, it tells us 
For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily, as those other high priests, offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and for the sins of the people. For this he did once. Oh, I like that. When he offered up himself, for the law maketh priests, uh, men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. I want you to know there is but one man who has walked the face of this earth that was pure and sinless and holy and righteous, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody else could ever attain to that level. Nobody else could say with all honesty before God and before man that he had walked righteously. Friend, he was pure in every way. Matter of fact, the author of Hebrews, to show how righteous he was, said, let me tell you something. He was such a high priest and so great that he is unlike the others who had to go and offer up sacrifice for themselves to cover their sins and then go in on behalf of the others. I want you to know that Jesus didn't need to do that. Peter said, in him was no guile. Nothing was ever done that ever offended God or offended man by the Lord Jesus Christ. He did those things that were right. I want you to know something, my friend. You've got an all right pastor here this morning. That's about as far as I can go, okay? That's that brotherly love. But if you come to him and you say, preacher, I've got some sins. He can pray for you, but I want to tell you something. He can't take them away. He's got his own sins to deal with, and I've got my own sins to deal with. Brother Hayden's got his own sins to deal with. Friend, I want you to know something. Jesus can take away your sins because He is free of sin. Second of all, He must also be pleasing to the Father. This is some of my favorite. I just love it when the heavens open up. And one day they opened up. There as Jesus was being baptized. Again they opened up. When Jesus was transfigured before His disciples. And this is what God had to say. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I want you to know something. Jesus went on to say, And He he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not let me alone. And He had this testimony. And this is what He said. For I do always those things that please Him. Jesus did everything right in the eyes of God. He was pure of sin, but I want you to know that He also, He also did always those things that were right. Friend, I want to tell you something. He never fell short of what God aspired for Him. But finally, He is perpetual in His existence. You see, the fact of the matter is, is that men come and go. Women come and go. Leaders rise and fall. Churches, my friend, come and go. But I want you to know, The Lord Jesus Christ remains. Book of Romans chapter 14 and verse 9. It says, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that He might be Lord both of the dead and the living. I want you to know, there is but one man who can bridge the gap between life and death, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice how the author put this. He hath both died and rose and revived. Now I want you to know that there were others in the Bible that died and rose. There was three in the Old Testament. They died and then they were resurrected. 
There were three in the New Testament under the ministry of Christ. They died and they were resurrected. But I want you to know that all six of them died again. But Jesus lives evermore today. Oh, friend, I want to tell you something. We've got a wonderful Messiah. His nature tells us that He is pure. He is always pleasing to God. And He is perpetually existent in heaven for us. Our final thought this morning is this name. I want to tell you something. There's something special about this name. And if I get sick, it's my brother's fault. John chapter 1. Back to the book of John chapter 1. I want you to know that there is a special name that God gave to this Messiah. When the angels came to Mary and to Joseph, they were very particular. They wanted them to understand that not only were they to give birth to the Son of God, but they were to give Him a very particular name. And that name was Jesus. And just in case Mary and Joseph and you and I wouldn't get it, we needed to know that when we hear the name of Jesus, it would be by that name that we could be saved from our sins. He said, Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. And notice what He did in John chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. I want you to know it is a name that you can trust in. Peter went on to say in the book of Acts chapter 4, he says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I want you to know it's by the name of Jesus that you can be saved. He's the only way. The only way that you can be saved. Then also, I want you to know that it satisfies. John chapter 20 and verse 31, John wrote, he said, These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing... You might have life through His name. I want you to know, if you want a satisfied life, you can find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And through His name, you can have life. Because Jesus said, I've not come to be ministered unto, but to minister, to give my life a ransom for many. I've come so that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And it can give you an abundant life. Finally, we see the securing power of His name in Hebrews chapter 7. He says, For He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. I want you to know that if your salvation is based on your baptism, you will not get to go to heaven. I want you to know that if your salvation is based on your church membership, you'll not get to go to heaven. I want you to know that if your salvation is based on the thought that maybe you can work your way there by good works, you'll not get there. It is only through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice the title of our message today is Jesus the Messiah. And back over there in John, we learn that He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. You see, here's a danger. 
is that we can understand that Jesus is the Son of God. We can accept the fact that He was virgin born. We can hear the preaching about how that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and rose again the third day. We can hear all of those things, but I want you to know, it will not make a difference until you can say truly that Jesus is your Messiah. Because God sent Him to save His own. God sent Him to save the nation of Israel, but they as a whole rejected. And now He has offered unto us today. And my friend, I want you to know, He can be a lot more than just Jesus the Messiah. He can be Jesus my Messiah. Because I want you to know something. There's the, he is the only way to get to heaven. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never trusted in the Lord as your Savior. I want you to know that you can bow right now where you're at. And call upon the name of the Lord. And you can be saved. Believe on Him. And I promise you that He will save your soul. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.